Thank you for listening to the Nate Jackson Podcasting Network. What up, beautiful people? It's your boy, Nate Jackson, comedian extraordinaire, and this is the Nate Jackson Radio Show slash the Super Funny Comedy Club podcast. Normally, those are two different things, but today they are merging, and today is also a full-on takeover by my sister, Erica James, and she is in charge. So, I yield. I got the baton. You all see that? It's my turn. Well, I wanted to accost your podcast. And I have been envisioning this for years, actually. Now, is your camera supposed to be on video? I don't know what's happening. It's not supposed to be on video. It keeps taking pictures. I don't know what I I hit. It just... Well, the good thing is I have us being filmed in 4K on a Sony A7. Awesome. Awesome. I just wanted some still shots. So I have had the honor of knowing you your entire life. And there's not that many people on the planet that can say that. That's true. And so I wanted to, I've been watching you grind. I've been watching you move. I remember the call you gave me, should I leave Washington State and really give this comedy thing a serious go? Okay. And I said, Absolutely, you should. I call you Nathaniel. I hope that's not bad for the radio show. I know the world knows you as Nate. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> I've already said Nathaniel. I've heard people say Nathaniel, but Nathaniel, and I said, you absolutely need to be there. And here's the crazy thing. I don't know if you remember this. You said to me that if I go to L.A., I'm going to get bumped by com- comedians like Tommy Davidson, and you named specific brothers, and I said, and the Wayans brothers, and I said, Nathaniel, you need to be there to get bumped. And the crazy thing is, he has agreed to come to the Super Funny Comedy Show. Right. So not only did you make that shift, but now he is coming in the door you built to do your thing. And that's the stuff that I don't think people know. That's profound. Isn't that deep? Yeah. But he was specifically on that list of people you named. So I want to get underneath the funny today. Oh. I want to get underneath the funny. Here's the thing. Uh, she just said she wanted to do a podcast. I didn't know we were supposed to be underneath anything. We're underneath. We're going underneath. Okay. We're going deep. Well, all I ask is that you try to keep your mouth centered in front of the mic so it sounds fantastic. I will do that, my brother. You hear the difference? Yes. It's beautiful. Thank you, darling. So I want to ask you, in this journey, you've been grinding for 15 plus years. Yeah. And I want to know the top three lessons you've learned. Okay. What are the top three lessons that you've learned, even before the comedy club? You can't trust everybody. Ah, okay. The people you do trust, trust them wholeheartedly. That's good. And protect your vision. Ooh, how do you protect your vision? Because so many people go blabbing and you try to tell people, people are bringing you down. How did you protect your vision all these years? Considering we are sitting in the middle of your super funny comedy show podcast studio. Yeah. Well, like Lil Wayne says, real G's move in silence like lasagna. So you have to move and you have to plan and you have to uh, strategize uh, in, a, in a way that doesn't basically expose and share idea before it's on its own feet and can defend itself because i know over the years you've experienced a lot of people saying oh i can do what nate does he make it look he makes it look easy Mm -hmm. let me go ahead and try it and then they figure out it's not as easy as they thought that's happened a few times yeah it's the same character but the well there's two characters there's the person that's bold that's a character and the other one is the person that's sneaky that's the other character and they've had different actors playing it over the years. Over the years. Of, that I've seen. But at this point, 
I can see, I can see that character coming from a mile away. Wow. And how have you managed? People always say this. Don't forget who you are. Stay grounded. Remember where you came from. Mm-hmm. What is your secret to that? Because you were still the same guy. Anytime I sat, I sat in your opening and you had your last three roommates, which is miraculous here that flew up from L.A. You had college homies. You but said, like, here's the thing. Not we didn't have three. I didn't have three roommates at one time. My three last roommates in a row most current, second most current, and furthest most current, yes. all were like, oh, for sure. Because if you, like women, you can live with a woman for six months and I hate you. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. To know you had, what, 10 or 12 years of roommates that were up here? Yeah. Who just were like, I can't miss this. And the other thing I know about them is you impacted their life with your work ethic and with what you modeled. Mm. So I want you to roll it back a little bit and think about a new comic coming up, a new person saying, okay, I've got a vision, I've got a dream. How how should my day look? How should my time look? How do I work this from a work ethic standpoint? Uh, are you hitting stages? This yes. Let's say this person's hitting stages. Okay. Well, uh, you just kissed all of your nights goodbye for the next three to five years. Okay. Because you need to be performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, your days uh, when it fir- when you first start out, your days are going to be wide open, and you're going to wonder how you're going to make money. And you're going to be hungry. Very hungry. Very hungry. Very hungry. But if you maximize what you do during the day, it makes the nights smoother. It makes you maximize your time. So things have changed since uh, I started. But the Internet is a much more poignant place for somebody to be. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. So that's what you do during the day. You make sure you're working on your footprint on the Internet so that people are exposed to your funny all over the world. That's good. And then wherever you're at locally is where you hit the stages. Now, those wash each other. The more you're working on social media content, the more you're writing funny stuff all the time during the day, it starts to work its way into your sets. And then your sets grow. And then when you're growing your sets, that also, vice versa, works its way back into what you're doing uh, during the day and your social media stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to learn your voice. You learn to learn your voice. Mm-hmm. How did you learn your voice? Same way. Just by doing it, hitting 10,000 hours of, of being on stage in every scenario, whether that was uh, Roy Washington, which is like a tiny little uh, conservative city full of cowboys and farmers uh, in front of 16 people where I brought my friend with me and he was like, you have to be funny tonight. Like that kind of thing. Like we felt like our lives were in danger if I bombed um, all the way to performing on summer jam in front of 80,000 but you have to you have to put the notches on your belt you have to have no scenario in which uh feels foreign to you you have to conquer your nerves Ooh, that's good yeah that's good and now you come from a family that I'm a part of Mm -hmm. that we all make our living behind the mic in some way and what did you pull from from the Jackson mm-hmm. vibe that you grew up in that you take on stage that you still tap into. What I found over the years is that um, it's easy to take for granted that I was raised a certain way, but it is uh, the fact is I grew up in a household where nobody had a nine to five. Everybody was an entrepreneur. And so when those are your examples early on, you realize you can make a path for yourself. You just need to figure out your lane. It's acceptable. And everybody will support you in that journey doing so. That's good. 
So walk me through an average day. I know you live between two cities, mm-hmm. running your comedy club, and for years you've done it, even before you had the physical club, and we're going to get to that in a minute because okay. it's so awesome. Okay. Uh, but walk me through your average day on tour. If you're touring, I know you just came off the road with 84 different colleges. Mm-hmm. Walk me through an average day in the life of Nate Jackson. Uh, I get up. And while I'm eating, I might look at, like, uh, say, the USA Today or whatever paper that the hotel has given me. Um, I look over that while I eat. And then then I'll turn on my phone, which is – that takes the next two hours <laughs> because there's – The phone. There's, yeah, there's yeah. Facebook, Instagram, mess, text messages, emails that I need to answer. Then I get on the phone, and I'll contact – uh, or I'll answer the phone and I'll speak with my manager, Zach Waxenberg at Three Arts, and then my college agent, Tracy Wiggs uh, from Just Wiggin Entertainment, and then uh, maybe an agency call from Gersh. And those don't take that long because we, we would have spoken the day before. Yes. Um, and then uh, depending on where I need to be that night and how much uh, le- travel time I need, uh, I may you know, just leave or I might grab lunch on my way and then head to the next place. Or sometimes that's shifted by an early flight or whatever, where it's like, all right, I had to fly first thing in the morning. Then when I landed, I did that routine. Um, if there, then, then I'll try to shoot some content uh, because when you're on the road, you feel disconnected from everybody. And Good so grief. I try to, you know, I'll try yeah. to shoot a split screen video or write a sketch idea or, um, if I have a decent idea that I can't get to while I'm on the road, I'll call who I think can capture it best and just give it to them. Um, then, uh, you know, then I'll go over my set list. What is it, 5 o'clock by now? You've done all this before 5 o'clock. This is probably 3 p.m. Goodness gracious. And so then I'll review my set list and go over the jokes that I want to do. And then if there's anything that I'm working on on stage, I'll go over in my mind what I said the night before. If I have a recording or I have video of it, I'll watch that. Then I'll tweak it. I'll tag it. I'll add to it. And then uh, start getting dressed for the show. Um, Then I'll head to the show because most college shows are at either 7 or 8 and you have to arrive by 6. And then I'll just be sitting there with them, touching bases with my agent for colleges again, where he's like, you there, where you at, what's going on, and here's how much they're going to pay you, here's the person who's going to pay you, and all that. Then I'll perform, and then uh, based on my contract, they will have had some type of meal for me. I started to ask for salads only because when you're on the road, it's after the shows, all these little cities, they close, and you're like eating gas station food. Right. So I was getting fat. I noticed pretty quick. I was like, okay, look, I need a chicken Caesar salad. I need something else. <laughs> Let's uh, renegotiate. Right. This, uh... So I'll get my check from the school, or they'll tell me, oh, this is a net 30 or whatever. I find out after the fact, um, which you think I would know that headed in. Like, am yeah, I getting right. paid after this or not? And you just don't know sometimes. Wow. The school will say, we'll pay you on the spot. And then you're like, all right, who's paying me? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's 30 days. We're like, With no clue what's going on in your own life and cash flow. And no you may idea. have really needed that money right. to but get to the next city. That's why it's extremely important to be consistent because it's like, well, whatever. I just got paid from something 30 days ago. Okay. So uh, I'll get paid. I'll take my little salad. I'll head back to the room. Then um, that's kind of the first time of the day that I have to, like, slow down and be on the phone talking to friends or family or any significant other and uh, kind of do that a little bit, maybe just, like, chill. Main goal, get my shoes off, put my feet up, and relax. And then uh, 
that's that's kind of the road because it starts all over again the next day. And that is just one day in the life. And you've been working that day for a year and a half on the road. Yeah. Not to mention that whole comedy club when you're working the club scene. Right. I mean, so, and so yeah. there's a little bit of other like wiggle room stuff in there where like uh, I was developing a, um, a script for essentially what is Harlem Nights 2 called Black Vegas. So I was working on that during that chunk from like three to five or uh, um, me and BT Kingsley were developing a movie called Bait Shop. So I would, we would work on that at that time or uh, oh, it's, it's, some, it's just something. We're always just trying to develop something. So that's one day. So. I don't know. I'm about to age myself because I know there's 13 years in between me and my bro, but we consider ourselves twins. Mm-hmm. Man, there was this show that came on in the 70s called The Bionic Man. Bionic Man. The Bionic Man. I don't heard of Wonder Woman. Well, there was The Bionic Man. Okay. And there was a Bionic Woman. Okay. And The Bionic Man and The Bionic Woman had, they were part robot, part human being. And so they could have these, you know, these extra powers. And I'm sitting here listening to your day going, he, you're bionic. They're just, (laughs) I mean, I thought I had some work ethic and you run circles around me. The average person would not be able to make it a week with that schedule that you just talked about and maintain your disposition, maintain your love for people, maintain your humility. I just want you to know how incredible what you've done is. And the fact that in the midst of that, you built a, 8,500 square foot comedy club. Nathaniel, that's crazy. Do you you ever just stop and go, goodness gracious, are you still in the building process? I mean, how do you feel about all of this? Do you ever get to stop to feel? Some, I mean, there was a couple of moments during the grand opening weekend that felt very surreal. Uh, Honestly, uh, any other emotion or anything I was showing felt a little bit forced based on the event or whatever's going like the ribbon cutting. I was supposed to speak, so I spoke. But yeah. I, you know, there was only one line in there that I really connected with, and it was where I was talking about vision. I said sometimes when you're the visionary, you can only see as far as what you think you're capable of doing. And then when other people join up to help you achieve your vision, you can see a little bit further than you could on your own. And so with the help of Team Nate and other people, family and, and closer close friends, I was able to see that this was possible. And so the grind from the road and the grind for this was different. You know, for this, I had to find uh, operations manager. For this, I had to find, uh, you know, we had to find contractors. For this, we had to find um, investors. Yes. Um, And I think that was the hardest part, finding investors that I trusted, that trusted me, that knew and saw my vision and uh, put faith in it in the form of big money um, at the same time as needing that money yes. and having an operations manager who his goal is to get it done regardless of price. Right. And in a space this big, it's hard to see it on paper and estimate what a thing would cost when everything is everything is consistently rolling, moving, changing, change orders, a uh, contractor he's to come back another day. Like, it's like, how do you know? It's just like, you try to have enough money in the coffers to pay for the task. And when you don't, or you foresee that you won't, you got to go get more. And so at four different junctions, this was almost a stalemate. Wow. Um, uh, one, our, our construction loan was slower to monetize than it was supposed to. We'd already been approved. Everything was good. And then they took another 
I think 48 days Woo. to put the money in the account, but we had already broke ground. And so we were spending investment money, my own money. We we're just spending everything um, with the anticipation of it coming. Wow. Uh, then it came and it was an SBA construction loan. And I don't know if it's because we hadn't done this before or what, but you know, the construction loan was specifically for construction. It couldn't be used for anything else. So all of the stuff we were paying, administrative things and paying for wages and fees and all the stuff that I was paying that I was anticipating being reimbursed, when it monetized, we couldn't touch it. Goodness So there was still a need for investment dollars that could go where they needed to go that we could touch and spend however we needed to. So it's just been a process of going, going. And so upon completion and certificate of occupancy and passing uh, all of the gamut of inspections and final inspections, um, <laughs> sorry about that. I'm yeah. banging up your table. I'm no, sorry. But Podcast table. Upon, you know, when we when we passed all the inspections and, and my operations manager, you know, oversaw he did what he was paid to do and paid he did his job. Um we had some bumps along the way, like I said, financially, but we got things taken care of and in the grand scheme of things, we paid for everything and got everything done. And um, you know, in that process, uh some faith in the business plan can be lost. Yes. Because if you don't understand my vision or you haven't grinded like I've grinded, or you haven't seen the people show support like I have seen them do on a first case scenario, like my own eyes basis, then it's easy for your confidence in the project to be fleeting when you keep hitting money problems. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it takes a special person to just be like, we can do it no matter what. I was saying that my team was saying that, but, you know, everybody wasn't in, wasn't in that same space. Good thing is we did complete it. We got everything done. The investors came in. Some of them came in the midnight hour, but they all came in. We all got it done. And then we had our grand opening weekend and we, we blew every preconceived. Come on. Uh, yes. Project inve- investment projection uh, that we had. And that was at, somewhere between 35 and 50% occupancy. So what we learned just off of that one opening weekend is that the club is not a $1.7 million club. The club is really something like 3.5 to $4 million club if allowed to open and operate at full capacity. When it will be. Cause you yeah, got, when? You I mean, we're just waiting on the, the governor to say yes, and it's all based on the numbers. And, you know, different people are, different people are experiencing the COVID-19 differently from each other, but overall numbers are saying that it's time for things to slow down so that they can then speed up again. Yes. And you, you know? all will be ready. And um, I call it the slingshot when it looks like you, you're on hold or it's going backwards, mm-hmm. but it's about to catapult forward. Right. And so we felt that in the first place because of how much people were hanging out. And you go outside and see the freeway is full of people that are like, I'm not saying it anymore. You can see it. But uh, having the grand opening and seeing the success of it and seeing the sheer numbers of people that came and how safe they operated and how they conducted themselves and then how much they consumed as customers yes put everything into perspective it was like for me it was a, a pretty big i told you so moment <laughs> that i didn't even have to say right but uh for anybody who had any doubts it was like oh my goodness you know so every investor whether they came in right on time or they came in in the midnight hour all of them were like this is going to be 
it was a worthwhile. fantastic investment. Yeah. And to the point that now that we have to shut down again, it's like everyone was, the calls were extremely smooth. Wow. You know, it's not an easy call to call your investor and tell them that we have to pause, but they know if we could open, we would open. And it's all based on Inslee, uh, Governor Jay Inslee and his determination of what is allowed and not allowed. There's a lot of confusion. Uh, even coming out of the governor's office and then even coming from the liquor control board, there's a lot of confusion about what's what. But the main thing is right now they just kind of need everything to freeze. Uh, that is anything yeah. more than 10 people. Yes. So it is no joke. And I just want to pay honor to you for having this unforeseen things that so many businesses have. But live entertainment has been deeply impacted. And you all proved that this thing will not only operate effectively but thrive yeah so i had a moment so you all see this incredible blue right it's like this deep midnighty i don't even know but it does something to you walk when you walk into this club and i said to you i said oh who picked the paint and you said it was uh number three what is it what number zero zero af84 but when that comes up on the hex i adjusted it a little bit and that's the color i chose so the, to me, that is demonstrative of how much of you is in this. This isn't somebody else's idea. Tell me all of the things from the, what did you choose? What did you, how much did you have to do with what we see around us? We're on the second floor of an 8,500 square foot comedy club. Unprecedented. Mm -hmm. The one we have in Raleigh, they have about 80 seats and you mm. literally sit like this. Wow. You can't move and they sell every seat and, and you don't, you can't even put your purse on a chair because it's so close. So so that's what people think when they think comedy club. Right. Like, oh, we're going to seat 80 people and not 350. Right. So what? how much of this is you versus other people telling you what to do? Well, I did not design um, the bar. Uh, that was uh, Joey. Uh, the checkered floors. Most of the design decisions were, hey, Nate, what do you think about this or do you think about that? And I'd be like, the left one. Or I like the right one. And then we would go with that. Got it. So I, uh, specific things that I wanted was uh, a stage that came out into the audience. Yes. Um, I wanted large archways in the club so that it felt huge, open, and inviting. Yeah. Uh, I wanted a podcast studio, a headliner VIP, a headliner uh, green room, and then a separate green room slash lounge for non-headliner acts so that they could be separate from their supporting acts. Because sometimes when the headliner comes to town with their feature and their host and their opener, they still want their own space, too. Okay. And to get the best performance out of people, you should just let them have the option, you know? Yeah. There's some places that don't even have green rooms for the headliner. You're just sitting in the back of the showroom. Or off the kitchen. Yeah, literally. Eating off of a, literally eating off of a stool. That's yeah. what we, when we visited some of your com comedy, I have, I have uh, props because I get to go back and go, hey, I'm Nate's sister. Mm -hmm. So I get to meet the comics that come through Raleigh that, that they know you. And they eat their meal on a stool because there's no place off of a little room in the kitchen. Yeah, there's just a little hallway. You have a shower in there. Yeah, right. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, and, a shower because there's so many times when we were on the road. And, you know, uh, shows at 8, we left at 2, we went to the bathroom, stopped, we ate or whatever, and before you know it, it's 7.45 and we're 30 minutes out. Shows at 8. Yeah. Call the promoter, like, look, we'll be there 15 minutes late, but as soon as we get there, we'll be, we'll be, ready, we'll be ready to yeah. hit the stage. And so you're changing clothes and, and ripping and running to hurry up and get just one of y'all, get, get somebody get in there, just somebody go, whoever's the fastest go, that's who starts the show. And the rest of us got another 10 minutes to get dressed. And so 
This is where you can come early, relax. You can watch a 75-inch TV. You can take a shower. You can can get your mind in a place that is the best for you to be successful. Um, And that was part of the design. You know, I just, I wanted to be, I wanted a different entrance than exit so that the flow of people uh, would be kind of through. Yeah. Now, I didn't know at the time that that was also the best thing for health and safety for coronavirus, but I just knew I didn't want 200 people from the first show going back through 200 people from the second show. And then we have 400 people in a space and number like, well, who's, who's here for the next show and who's just hanging out and who, you know I mean? I didn't want to deal with all that. Um, yeah. I mean, I picked the, I picked, I picked a lot of the things at the end of the day. It's like, you know, we need carpet in the showroom. It was like, here's a swatch. Here's a swatch. Which one do you like? Or here's a, this, or here's a, that I did not, I for sure did not pick the wave, the audio waves on the wall. That was a surprise. Tell me me. about that. Yes. Yeah. That was a surprise for me that, Joey planned for the the design of the showroom and in the bar. So there are two, there are one by one pieces of wood on the wall and they form the audio waves of my laugh so that it's wall to wall laughs all throughout the club. And we wanted to do that because it's abstract kind of looking. Yeah. So if someone was to rent the space, it's not that they were so clearly in a comedy club that it affects uh, their, their people's uh, feel of what it, of what's what. So with this, somebody could just come in and be like, oh, okay, that's different. Right, that's nice. And, and that's the only like, note yeah. versus it being giant pictures of me, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, Dave yeah. Chappelle, Red Fox, like every other club, you know? Yes. So that's the gist. The, to, to me, that captures the genius that I know you have, and not just comic genius, but business genius, entrepreneurial genius. Walk me through all the hats that you wear, Uh not just club designer, but the hats you wear to keep your brand moving. Just, you know, that normally people have other people for. I want you to give me all your titles. Uh, I mean, I had help in every job. Of course. Of course. And um, the task of operations manager is to manage all the operations. But um, I guess I still provided some, uh, some of the contractors, like I tried to have as many uh, qualified uh, African-American contractors in here as possible, wow. where we worked with uh, UB Stag of Excel Electric. Uh, and uh, and I don't that, mean just for the club, like in general, to keep the Nate Jackson super funny brand going. Oh, okay. So yeah, social like media it, manager, yes. author, yes. Uh, talent. Uh, Graphic designer. Yeah, graphic designer. Uh, creative director. There you go. Creative director, fashion designer. Uh, script writer. Yeah, script writer. Talent booker. There you go. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a title. Talent booker. No, talent booker is a talent title. And booker. it's also a full-on salary job in a comedy club that I have virtually waived because I want this place to be so successful. So yeah. uh, a ton of stuff. Like I don't, I, it, But it's always been because of necessity. Like... I didn't have the money to pay for every flyer for all the shows I had. So I went to YouTube University yes. and watched a hundred different tutorials and taught myself different design elements until I was like, okay, I can do this. And so I've made all of my own flyers virtually since for 10 years. Every now and then I'll mix it up if I'm up and have somebody else design something just because they have a different eye creatively. Like, man, just mix me up something else different. Like I keep yeah. making the same 
kind of thing or yeah. I, you know I, I don't even have time to do this one can you do it and so uh it's been it's been a lot but it's all based on necessity you know yeah and that is awesome and i don't think people know that about you i don't think people understand all of the hats you wear and still manage to show up and just tear a crowd up your comic genius has gone through as i was telling you it's another dimension well thank you Yes. Another I mean, it's dimension? Another, not even level, but dimension. Like, what is... How do I describe it? Because, you know, I can see all this deep stuff. I'm, I'm the deep sister, you know, but not that my other sister's not deep. She's deep. You're just around deep people, really. But yeah. let's go deep for a minute. So <laughs> the only way I could put it, like, most comedians you go see, they leave a piece of their comedy with you. You know, like, you leave laughing. He, he, it was off. The, it was great. But there was something that happened that I witnessed the two shows I've seen you do in this club. And you said you were just warming up during these two shows. But it's like you left a piece of yourself. You left a piece of greatness. There was something activated in people there. It wasn't just funny. It was, it was so much more. It, mm. was, it was a depth. It was the ability. I really think you have a profound ability to see people. And every single person in this club, the hundreds and hundreds of people that came through here opening weekend, they all left with a piece of Nate, a piece of your power, your greatness, and your activation for their own inspiration. Like, it was beyond comedy. It was something totally, um, like, it was deep. I was just watching this. And the passionate love people have for you, it was crazy. I was just so proud, not just the investors. It's one thing for people to say they support you, but to open your checkbook and support you, right? that's another level. To see comics come from all over the country to support you, to see, didn't you tell me that somebody that was what, like a past hater or somebody was in the VIP section? Like people just were overtaken by their love and appreciation and celebration for who you are because they each had a piece of you. And if I interviewed them all, I bet they would say, yeah, Nate's one of my best friends. And not that you don't have homies and inner circle, but it was just, it was another world. It was another level. Mm. And your comedy was connecting with people in a way that I know I'm biased because I'm your sister, but I could have watched you all night. I mean, but you still yielded the stage. You still brought your, your comedians up with such grace. It was just awesome. Mm. It was just awesome. So I don't know. I think it comes from, this is my theory. Because you said yes to putting on the humility it required to sit in at noontime at Timbuktu University, you know, in the middle of nowhere and connect with seven people during a daytime show during lunch in the in the library or something crazy. And it and it showed because, you know, you could connect with people on a whole different level and people were not just left with your comedy. They were left with a piece of your greatness. And that was incredible. Mm. That makes sense. I mean, I know that's deep to hear, but it's just real. Like it was another other dimension. Yeah, stuff. I'll have to. I'll have to. What's gonna happen? This is how this works. Like, one, thank you, because that's a phenomenal compliment, uh, based on uh, an honest observation by you. So what I'll do is reflect. Uh, probably watch this podcast while I reflect, <laughs> and then and then all of it come rushing to me like a ton of bricks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because for right now in this moment, I just feel like, look, I just was doing what I had to do to have a good show and, you know, be consistent. I think that every time you take the stage, you should, you should leave something 
should you know you may, you don't even have to have a jokes to say, but you should leave. There should be moments. Yeah. And the greatness, greatness in comedy is accomplished by moments. Whether that's aha or that's strong bits or that's just people were just crying laughing, but you have to have moments. And I learned that from Wildin' Out. You know what I mean, it's okay. an improv show. Yeah. The whole concept is we're going to put a bunch of talented people up there and we're going to have 12 cameras shoot it and we're going to play games and we are going to capture all the moments. That's good. And they string those together in an episode and that's how you become the number one show on a network. Got it. Okay. And so to me, you know, a great show is comprised of the moments. And so, I mean, we had a, a wedding proposal, a marriage proposal. Yes, excuse we did. Me. We had a standing ovation from one of the comics. We had... Uh, I had some, I had some, a hot couple of sets as the host. We had standout sets by the other comedians on the show. Uh, those are the moments, you know, that people sit up and go, man, that was a dope night. Like the difference between a, it was cool and it was a dope night is, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And this is like, that was all in one night. It was like, all in and, one night. And that's what you want, you know, every night. And so that's what we're trying to consistently that's what I strive for yeah. every time I take the stage is I want a moment. If there's got to be something, an applause break or some type of explosive laugh at some point, like I, you have to, you have to have the moments. And when you sit up in Hollywood and you watch shows that have, you know, 12 to 15 comics on them per show, yeah. the ones that stand out that you remember are the ones that gave you the moments. And so that's, that's what I strive towards. And I think that's just what your, your, what way it is perceived um, from somebody outside of me is, uh, you know, you're like, every time he did it, there was something happened. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Versus, you know, somebody coming up on stage and hosting and it's just like, they said something, it didn't connect. They did something that didn't connect. And then they brought up the next person. And that was like, well, that was a waste of five minutes. No, that's what I don't want to have. And I think the other thing that happens just my lap. I mean, I have many accolades. I always will for you. I have an eyelash that's turned against me. No problem. At least yours are real because mine are fake. I was in there with glue. I was like, something's gone wrong. Those aren't yours? <laughs> These are not mine. Oh, dang. <laughs> Guess we aren't twins. I've, got <laughs> <laughs> I've, gotten, I've gotten better with it. Uh, but what I noticed is those moments come from your heart, bro. And you have a heart of gold. Mm. And I think that's the difference. If someone hasn't maintained their heart, those moments feel contrived. And those moments with you feel absolutely authentic. And they're as authentic as they would be if someone was sitting in the back room with you. And it shows. Because mm. you have somehow, in the midst of Hollywood, in the midst of a whole bunch of crazy stories that I bet you don't even have time to tell them all, you have maintained your heart and your love for people. And it shows through your comedy. So a so, couple things I want to ask you. I have so many questions that I never get to ask you. Okay, ready to go. Okay, so... I want to know what your vision is. What's next? Well, first, should I be feeling weird that this whole thing is just about me? No, <laughs> like, because like, uh, no, because <laughs> this says Nay Jackson super funny. Ugh, all right. Yeah, I'll so you going. should not feel weird. I hope that there's this an audience that wants to hear an episode that is just me answering questions about me. But this is, you know, I'm is not it uncomfortable? This, I don't know. I'm just not this narcissistic. I'm I'm used to doing shows and we're talking about other topics, other people, other things, and then a little bit about me. This is. This is heavy. <laughs> I told you we were going underneath. All right. Underneath. So just hang with me. All right, I'm hanging. 
Yeah, we're going to share the parts that I don't think people get to know unless they've known you one-on-one. Tell me about your vision. What is next for Nate Jackson? We're going to get this club back open, and then we're going to franchise. Also, I'm going to go into the production production side of things, and there's going to be some stand-up comedy specials that get produced. Very, very nice ones that are at or above the quality that Netflix accepts readily and openly which means they would go find one on other networks. Um, off of that, there'll be some touring that happens where we'll okay. partner with other comedy clubs and the touring and theaters and tour our most popular headliners, Super Funny Comedy Tour, um, all while this is still going on and that is still going on. And then uh, I would like to, uh, I, still need, I still need my own TV show. Like, yes. that has to happen. We're still hardcore working to, to develop that. The problem is uh, coronavirus has even, you know, made, uh, made uh, you know, Hollywood has had to pump the brakes. Everybody has. Yeah. And so uh, I'm just, I mean, some people aren't. Like, I just found out yesterday that I was, I was up for the role on a Young Rock of Junkyard Dog, and I just found out that they gave it to the other guy of the two of us. Oh. And I was so... So perfect for that role. Wow. To the point that my manager is like, let's just let's just keep waiting. Mm. So I don't know if it ends up being that or if it's something else or another character they find. But I mean, I, dest- I wasn't even me that whole day. I was that character. In wow. character, full on, nappy headed beard, <laughs> uh, tow truck chains around my neck and wasn't even having regular conversations with people. Like I, people would call me that day. I'm like, no, nah, I'll go to voicemail. Because I'm a junkyard care. dog. You're junkyard yeah, dog. and it showed. It, I really killed. And so we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, there's that, and I'm still up for a role on um, another show um, called Righteous Gemstones. We'll see what happens. Whether I get it or I don't get it, the fact is uh, Hollywood recognizes me as a young force, and that's all I wanted. Because once you have that respect and appreciation for what you do or can do with a role or what you can do with the white space on the script, then uh, you're an asset to any production, you know, because you have a script and it's like, uh, this is what we, our idea was. We don't know, if, you know, and then you plug in all the different actors and the directors and, and then it starts to have its own personality. You try to stay as close to the page as possible, but at the same time, you got to let that thing you gotta let the project be, you know what I mean? And so um, uh, I was making, you know, great steps in Hollywood. And so uh, I don't want, you know, I would like to be able to resume that. I still have my place in North Hollywood, which is uh, tick, 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 expensive. So, <laughs> right, right. Every minute um, it costs cha-ching. It's expensive. Cha-ching. Yeah. And so um, I think that that's what I would say my vision is for now. I also am trying to launch a podcast network as you can see where people can come in and uh they can they can they can share their vision and their voice and their stories and their discourse and and grow their own following and their own you know they can make they can make their mark they can they can record things that last forever long after they're gone for people to listen to and enjoy and be entertained by and that's what I'd like to be able to do. Are you all seeing the genius? And you just, so many people just think you're the funny guy on stage. Your genius is mind-boggling. And that your mind goes, you know, 55,000 miles an hour per second. People don't know that about you. So I know your podcast is usually about other things. 
But today, I want this to be about you because you you have so much to offer people and ignite in people. And the things that you studied, the depth, I don't even know when you have time. Funny story, I want to share in a minute, but I want to ask you, have you even gotten rest since the club opening a few days ago? And having to find out that you're getting shut down for a minute. Mm-hmm. Have you had, are you tired? Did I'm you tired. Get any, okay. I'm tired. I thought I had a really good night of rest the other night because I, you know, I was up and moving around a little later than normal. Um, as far as getting up first thing in the morning, I didn't have to, and I slept in a little bit. But then I had to do like a 45-minute drive to do something. And about 30 minutes in, I was like, I am tired. Like, I'm really, it's in my bones right now. Yeah, so I'm, I'm tired right now. Like, I'm not about to make a round trip to Portland driving or anything like that. <laughs> that would not be wise. I'm just too sleepy. You but, knew when I knew you were tired? When? So this is sister-brother talk. It was hilarious. So upstairs at my parents' house, uh-huh. there's two queen beds we sleep in when I'm home and Nathaniel's home. And the other night, I got up to go to the restroom. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming back, and you were in the bed, mm-hmm. flat, you know, spread eagle, flat, literally flat on your face. And I looked, I was like, oh, man, Nathaniel has on brown boxers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're skin tone boxers. Mm-hmm. And I got closer and realized there were no boxers. No, your, brother that, was, your, brother that was, was, your brother was butt naked. That was just the booty naked. <laughs> like, and I was like, well, oh, he's all, so I, tired. I, I, <laughs> so, I'm taking these drawers off and I'm going to <laughs> sleep. Going to sleep. I you did not like... know that at any point that my butt was going to be out. <laughs> my plan was, oh, I'll be undercover. It doesn't matter what I got on. I could have on a clown suit under here. No one would be none the wiser. Apparently. No, you were so tired. You didn't even know your butt was out. My butt was out. And like a okay. whole cheek, like everything, like my whole butt. It was all good. Did you just like cover me? Like, hey, I left your butt out. <laughs> I was like, he's really tired. I don't want to wake him up by covering up the booty, not even with the little sheet. Uh, I didn't want you to be self-conscious. You know, if something happened to you, I would wipe your booty. So I wasn't mad seeing the booty. Right. I was just, it was hilarious. Right. That's when I realized how tired you were. Mm. You were face down, literally butt out in the air. Yeah, I've had, some, like, I've had wow. some nights in during this process and even during the, the last few days of ramping up because people got to understand, like there's a lot that goes into saying, all right, we're going to open. Yeah. I mean, they, you got to make sure everyone is hired. You have to make sure you've done all your final cleaning. You got to pass your certificates of occupancy. You got to pass all of your inspections. So everything you've done that you considered final needs another look because if it's not, somebody can delay you. And in this particular case with coronavirus, and then also uh, there was a holiday on the 4th of July that everybody took the Friday before and the Monday off. Like we had to pass everything. That's right. First time because ribbon cutting was on the 8th. Grand opening was on the 9th. And you yeah. don't even get your occupancy until all this is done. On top of it, you're doing in the middle of we a got pandemic. Our occupancy. We've got our final on the 6th occupancy. That's all the same thing. And then this, uh, the 7th was, all right, let's make sure the room is sat the right and all that stuff is right and listen you know at meantime we've been training with um, access ticketing we've been training every day two hours wednesdays and thursdays we've been hiring up hostesses and trying to make sure everybody has their shirts they're going to wear for when we open figuring out how the seating chart is going to look how it looks when somebody comes in and then doing everything over again to make sure that it is as safe as possible for everyone um and that's all going on while the gm and the the manager of the bar is training up the, the, the bartenders and the waitresses and, and we still have our, contra- our, our our contractors finishing up a couple of finishing touches. I had to get the furniture for the both of the green rooms still. We were still hanging a TV. We were still like, there's a lot going on to where I would finish up 
and then like I would get home and then just take a, a nap in the driveway. Like I just <laughs> like in the I, car. I, if I could just make it. Yeah, there was in a the couple driveway. nights where Daddy was like, "You all right in there? <laughs> just, hey now, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm sorry, I'm good." And then I get out and I go in and it'd be two or three in the morning and I'd go to sleep and then wake up with my phone ringing at. Nine nine thirty from somebody some related some emergencies to the club yeah. or something, you know, or it could, sometimes it's not an emergency. Hey, when you talk to such and such, did they say yes or no? They said yes. Okay, bye. Wow, and that's the thing. I'm up now. That's the thing that's so spectacular, and you still show up on stage and knock it out of the park. And one of the things I mentioned earlier in. I was blown away at how many people love you. Like, I know I love you. I'll, I don't mind your naked booty. I'll wipe your booty. I don't care. Mm. But to see other people who are like, I'm in this with you now. I don't know if they're down to wipe my booty. I, I'm not saying that they, <laughs> but, but that's, that's, a, that's specific. They're just, down. But they're down. Right. They're down. Talk to me about Team Nate and just how far this group of people have come with you and the different iterations of it. Okay. And how in the world did you get a group of people to commit to your vision like that. Talk to me about that. Because one of the things as an entrepreneur, having the team is the hardest part. Well, here's the thing. Okay, I can't take credit for the team. It's, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> Basically, I had friends from high school that saw me struggling to prepare, like, to get a show ready. They were just in line. They were the first ones in line. And they saw me struggling to get all these folding chairs set up to have the show. And then uh, we had the show. Everything was fine. Then after... Or the next day, I got an invite on Facebook to a Team Nate meeting. And I was like, what is this? And this was at the time of Twilight when everybody was Team Jacob or Team whatever. Oh, so they just okay, said Team okay. Nate. And I was like, well, I'm not a vampire. I'm not a werewolf. What is this? And like, just come. We'll talk. So I get there. And they're like, we saw you doing the folding chairs. We saw all that. And you just need help. We would love to help you. Uh, this isn't about money. This is about wanting to see that go smooth and be great for the community. It could be even better than it is. It's already a dope time. And... um. That was their vision. And so I said, okay, well, yeah, let's do it. But if we're going to do it, let me share some other things that now that I have some help. That I would that that I use some help with. Can you please help me with yeah. this? Here's the <laughs> Honey, this is here's what I've been list. drowning in. You <laughs> saw right. me struggling to get some chairs going. The reason the chairs weren't ready is because of these other four things you didn't see. So if we could just do these four things, then who cares about the chairs? I'll get that done. And so um, that's, the, that's how it kicks off. And then they... Added. people were like, well, what are you guys doing? And people start hanging around and other people start coming because just because of the energy that was going into it. And the people who approached me, that was Alyssa Minow, that was uh, Claudette Minow. No, excuse me, that was Alyssa Minow and Tina Cruz. And Claudette Minow is Alyssa's cousin. And then later, Aline, Aline Minow is Alyssa's sister. And so the Minows were the original, you know, and Tina was uh, another cousin. And so they all, that was the hold it down crew. Then you start getting friends of them. That's how you get Kanani and Anitria. And then my other friends were coming like Kenyatta. And there were points where it, it didn't, I, I didn't even matter in wow. a sense, because now the bond was there. They were friends, they're family. They're kicking it every Friday night. It's like, what y'all doing? We y'all can come over, and that turned into you know eleven, twelve people all. They started around looking out for mom and daddy and bringing casseroles by the house. Yeah, <laughs> and we were just and they were, we were just hanging. Yeah, like even when I didn't have shows, everybody was just so tight. Like we took group trips together. Like we like I had I would have one show in say like a Spokane. We'll make a full weekend out of it. Everybody rides over. It's five, six cars all following each other. We have a great time. We kick it. We you know, and it's just fun. 
And so uh, it was like, yes, there was a common goal that we were like, okay, well, we were producing shows and we're, you know, we're having a great time doing comedy and throwing shows and stuff. But at the end of the day, man, it, this was just a group of friends and we're all still cool. Like everybody's still cool. And so um, it was always volunteer basis. Or if we, if I had any uh, excess money, I would always break people off, but it would be, I couldn't con- consistently do it to be right. like this week right. we're a little tight but here's 40 and yeah. i don't know about next week <laughs> you know but they're like hey, this was never they'd fold it and put it in their bra like okay but you know, don't even you know so um but as we got better as a team the uh, shows grew and the consistency grew and the, the how lucrative it was grew like the business part of it and so that's when i started formulating the early on ideas of Man, if I owned a club, you mm, know, this team would help. But me everybody rock this would thing try out. to scare you and say, "You don't want that liability." I'm like, but look at how much money. And so uh, this is my concept. I don't want the liability of throwing a show for the drinks, but you're telling me these different owners of venues are willing to take on the liability of me throwing the show, right? For the drinks, it must be worth it. But nobody's honest about how much alcohol money they make. You ask somebody how much tonight. Like we did all right. We did all right. It was cool. Last yeah. week was better. Well, how much? Ah, it's in like the three thousand range. If you saw the numbers, you'd have seen six or seven. Yeah. yeah. And they're not going to tell you because they don't want you to know. They don't want you to know. And you're making that. I for watched all the club ninety-seven owners. people drink three thousand, three thousand, a little bit more than three thousand dollars in drinks. That's crazy. But every Thursday night for four years, we had between three eighty and four twenty at the Varsity Grill. That's crazy. I walked in t- with you this time and saw the occupancy for the first time. It said 660. In the whole building. That's crazy. 660 in the How building. How many can it sit, seat full capacity? 400 in the theater. That's nuts. Right. And that's so that's, here we are that's otherworldly. Woo! Like right. you need so, background music for mm-hmm. that. That's, that's how big it is. And yeah. then it's 18 feet tall ceiling, so it's vaulted, and so it just feels massive. But it also feels intimate at the same time. It does. And so that was design because I wanted the back area to be raised up and you know so that uh it had levels to the room and um yeah it just it worked out that worked out perfectly and so the team uh Aline came and Claudette has always been down she's not you know the team has come and go because over the course of right. 10 11 Life years changes, yeah people happen, have either gotten jobs or babies marriages right, happen and divorces and yeah. yeah so it's it's swelled and ebbed and flowed and you know what I mean and um uh you know and that's a that's a testament to one Claudette and then anyone else who joined on that you know they come on and they're like we understand that there was people before us and we you know we appreciate that and we just want to help how we can and my thing has always been this isn't a one-way street it's like what would you like to accomplish or learn or attain by being on team Nate how can I help you achieve a goal you have you're helping me what is that wow so like the last like uh taj she's on she was uh she's starting a clothing line and so i just tried to give her some insight into what i knew because i had had a clothing line i said you know i can give you some help i don't know i mean we're clearly gonna be busy and we got a thing to do but this will put you uh in front of quite a bit of people this will put your brand in front of quite a bit of people and then i can give you whatever i know i honestly feel like there's more room to be to to give to Taj. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. more room to be like Taj. Here's here's what else. But we've been so busy opening the club that you know 
but she understands. Everyone understands. Like he's obviously slammed. It's coming. But it's if coming. we if we sit down and chop it up about the clothing line more, then you know I was just trying to guide her in the direction of make sure you develop a line that changes every season and that grows and 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 honors the colors that are popular. Like you need to do your research. Yes. Don't just settle on two or three pieces and then selling them in town at different barbershops or salons or, you know, mom and pop scenarios. Get your samples, hit the mall, try to sell them so that stores buy them and your stuff is carried and you make money in your sleep. That's the kind of things I was trying to, um, you know, give as uplift. And then you take another person who has a different goal and you just try to give, I just try to give some insight and then, the team is so supportive that Tosh can be like, I have a fashion show. They're all going to be there I and got having here, a good time. Someone handed me a diversity, beautiful pamphlet. They're like, yes, Nathaniel hooked me up with his mother who started to, <laughs> I mean, just. Oh, Sharika. Yeah, Sharika is yeah. uh, one of, um, Sharika 48 is one of Tacoma's 40 under 40 or 30 under 30. Like she's, a, she's just a star in um, business and development and uh, economic leadership and change for the city. And so she put together this whole plan and is, launched a full-on consulting business and is she's flourishing in that and i i looked at that plan and uh based on just all the different stuff that i've seen mama do as an education consultant for years i was like you mind if i uh proofread this or just give it just a look just look it over she's one like, time what you gonna do you know <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna do funny boy right. Nate, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 10 minutes later she was like we have to change everything <laughs> Because <laughs> people don't understand your genius uh, and your brilliance. No, nah, but she's she's not that brilliant. she doesn't have any. No, nah, she's sharp, man. To she's take it to the brilliant. next level, she's, she gets it. But you know, it's always good to have someone who your best interest is in their interest reviewing something that you're trying to do. Gotcha. And gotcha. so I just try to also do that because Sharika's done so much for the team, for me, for us. So it's like, let me see what I can do back. It's symbiotic. And I hope you all hear that. It's not. It's never been just about Nate. You've always poured into your team. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been about oh, left, let's uplift Nate. Where that's why you could get investors because you honored relationships. That's why people said, Nate, we we don't even understand the fullness of it. But if you're behind it, we're behind you. Mm -hmm. And so that loving on people and treating people right on the way up mm -hmm. has been huge. So I know you have vision for new and up-and-coming comics, but I have a few questions that I just want to ask you. Okay. So what keeps you up at night? Movies. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, oh, the thoughts of no movies. Yeah, movies. I can't fall asleep during movies. Okay. So movies if a good one is on, I'm going to finish it. And so in the world, if you're, if, you're, if you're building or grinding on something, what keeps you up at night? Uh, I have to complete it. Or... I try to. I've fallen asleep with the computer many a night. And so have most real grinders. Okay. Um, but that was the thing. That was so, that's why it was so powerful. And, and any of my roommates, they would see the work ethic at the end of the hallway. And either they had it or they got it, but they would all, everybody would end up being up doing right. the same, like finishing what they got to finish. At like, three know, in the morning. And, right. Yeah. And, and it, so uh, yeah. I would say what keeps me up is needing the need for completing different tasks. Got it. And what do you find hilarious? What makes you laugh? Not other comics, but just in your life, what makes you laugh the hardest? Um, my sense of humor, like the things that make me cackle are when it's uh, not predictable. Okay. Like I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I remember as a teenager, 
Um, I saw uh, the movie Don't Be a Menace to Society while drinking your juice in the hood, which was the Wayans rendition of all of the hood movies. And in the beginning of the movie, there's a kid riding a bike and there's like leaves falling and it's autumn. And he's like, man, you know what I'm saying? I got to get out of the hood. And my mom wants me to move to another place. And this is just the way that my life is right now because my dad is did a Somebody opens a car door and he hits the car door in the middle of his opening monologue. I have never laughed so hard. And like in my early life, I was like, wait, what? I stopped. I rewound. I was crying. I was in the house alone, crying and rewinding. Like, it was um, just completely unpredictable. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And if you that's had a, my sense of humor. That's your sense of humor. If you had a magic wand from mm-hmm. this point forward, what would your top wish be? If you had if you had a if you had Will Smith in a genie bottle, what would you lose right now? It's one wish. One wish. I would get rid of coronavirus and try mm. to heal the world some. Beautiful. That's the one wish. That's it. That's awesome. And so I am beyond proud of you. I wish you the absolute, not just wish, that sounds so hokey, but I know who you are. And mm. it is a privilege to be sitting inside of your vision. And what people don't realize is the best is yet to come. So ladies and gentlemen, I introduce and reintroduce to some of y'all my real deal brother, Nate Jackson. <laughs> this is the weirdest episode ever. Bye y'all. Peace. Episode weird as hell. Peace.